So uh, one of the most important lessons that I learned and that I've learned and I am learning and I'm fighting against this in my own personal life. Okay, this is a battle that I am fighting today. Today I am in this war against this circumstance, right? So uh, I just started dating this awesome guy. He's smart, he's good looking, he's strong, all of those things. Um, but I've noticed a pattern in relationships, right? When people start out in relationships, they look like this. This is how they walk into the relationships, right? They, boom, <laughs> hair done, nails done. Okay, the guys walk in like this, first date status, woo! I'm here, I am clean shaven, I've showered. Um, but once you get in it, we start showing up like this, take me as I am, <laughs> right? You know, um, yes, this hair is mine, but it was purchased. So sometimes we show up like this, ladies. If he don't love me like this, he don't love me at all. Ma'am, you wouldn't show up to an interview like this. What level of disrespect are you bringing into this circumstance, right? And, and, and before you start saying, Risa, don't be superficial, it's not all about looks, blah, blah, blah. I'm wearing sweatpants on stage, okay? So I know it's not all about looks, but you gotta try, okay? Ladies and gentlemen, you gotta keep trying as you proceed in your relationships. And, and, and here's what I believe. Here's what I believe about relationships is, is that as we enter into them, all of us, have this desire to be loved, to be accepted, to be celebrated. These, are des these desires are God-given desires, right? And they were designed to be fulfilled by him and also in relationships. But I believe what begins to happen through the course of our relationships is that we do not show up in them as who we truly are. I think a lot of times we show up in relationships as a caricature of who we are, right? So what do you mean by that? A caricature, what is distinctive about these images is that they exaggerate what makes you unique, what makes you special. And I think throughout the course of my life, one of the things that I've had to consistently battle is trying to show up as the funny version of me or the smart version of me or the athletic version of me or the version of me that's just here for you but doesn't share my pain and my experience. I don't want you to see the real me. I want you to see the distorted me. And that is one of the things that I've had to fight throughout my life. Another thing that we sometimes show up as is a picture of ourselves, right? The issue with showing up as a picture of yourself is that it's accurate but out of date. So as people, we're constantly evolving and we're constantly changing. And what begins to happen sometimes is that we begin to show up in our relationships as a version of ourselves that is outdated but was accepted by the person we're in front of. And I think one of the things that God wants to continue to allow us to do in every single phase of life is to show up as ourselves, the most accurate version, up-to-date, transparent version of ourselves. And the reality of it is, is me, and, me and Samir were talking about this um, during our Zoom conversation where we literally changed the world. Okay, your world is different because of our conversation. Um, is that... The older you get, when you show up as not your real self, the more it costs you. 
right? Like we think that right now that, that pretending to be someone or, or only highlighting the best parts of yourself is, is saving you from pain, but the older you get, the more it costs you. I've noticed that some of my relationships have fallen apart, not because that person is bad, but it's because our entire relationship, I showed them a version of me that wasn't me. And so when they were introduced to the real me, they did not recognize who they saw and it caused our relationship to fall apart. So the stakes only get higher. And so there's this really, really dope verse found in Psalm 139. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. So if you're reading the NIV, ESV, NASB, this is an easier version to read. Uh, And if you don't know what any of those letters mean, don't worry about it. (laughs) Just read what's on the screen, okay? Psalm 139, 23 through 24 says this. God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me, in, put me to the test. Sift through all my anxious cares. See if there's any path of pain I am walking on. And lead me back to your glorious, everlasting ways. The path that brings me back to you. The problem with constantly showing up as a non-real version of who you are is that we take that into our relationship with God. There was a season in my life where I would pray to God as if I was talking to my boss, right? For those of you that that don't have jobs, um, what ends up happening is sometimes you show up to work and when people ask you how you're doing, they really don't care, right? They're not like, hey man, like, how are you doing? How's your, are you making your mortgage payments? How's the, how are those college loans? Tell me about your mother. No, here's what they wanna hear. They wanna hear, I'm fine. So I would show up to moments in prayer as I am falling apart emotionally and I'd be like, God, everything is so good. My life is so great. And he was like, Rice, I see you. Not only do I see you, I know your thoughts. Not only do I know your thoughts, I know your, the emotions that are attached to it. So one of the things that I had to learn to do was to, come, was to learn to come to God as who I am right now. I don't know if how many of you guys grew up in church or going to church camp. Um, I am African, okay, so my middle name is Watandila. Um, it's strong, it's a strong name. It's got like 35 letters in it. Um, shout out to my mom and dad. Um, but like, there were times growing up that we would have these amazing experiences together in prayer. And there were times where I did not want to show up to our daily, daily evening family prayer and Bible study. And you don't just show up to daily evening family prayer and Bible study. You bring a word, okay? And if you don't bring a word, they would ask you, is God not speaking to you? And I'm like, no, (laughs) not today. I thought that because if I said that, I wouldn't be here today with you. Would be celebrating my life, you know, it'd be in memoriam, Raisa Kabandi. <laughs> but what would happen because I grew up in a Christian home is that I felt like my relationship to God had needed to always feel like summer camp. And not just like, not night one of summer camp, because night one of summer camp is repentance time. You know, night one of summer camp is listen, I've been having a good time this summer. All right, you know, I, listen, I, I spent some time at the pool. 
I've spent some time with some jacuzzis. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying. You know, I don't need to say what I'm saying, but you know what I'm saying. And Lord, I'm coming back to you today because I know that my eternal soul is not made for a place that is not with you. Night two of summer camp is when you start making friends, you know what I'm saying, and you notice that person in the room. Come on, everybody's falling in love with summer camp. You're like, man, Jesus, he worships so well. He got both hands up. Is that a tear? That's a tear. Come on, somebody, I see a tear. Not only did he have a tear this evening, but he could shoot this morning. He's got range and he's got emotions. Jesus, I see what you have done for others. Send me my Steph Curry. You know what I'm saying. Depending on what kind of church tradition you're from, from night three of summer camp is baptism and the Holy Spirit. And some of you guys are like, uh, we go to North Point. We don't know what that is. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Please invite me back. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> when, I was at, uh, <laughs> when I was at TLR last week, I talked about Megan the Stallion. You guys are not going to want me back. But don't worry about that. Don't go watch that part. Watch the end part. It was good. Anyway. So it's baptism in the Holy Spirit, and, and they're like, if you don't fall out, you're not feeling it. So you're just like, oh, I don't, I'm really not falling. Someone's praying for you, and they're pushing on your head. You're like, oh. <laughs> I got super strong neck muscles. I'm not going to fall unless I feel it. And by night four, the love of your life has turned out to be a jerk because every other girl in summer camp has fallen in love with him as well. Um, because he's, you know, he was shooting a shot all week, and he's got Steph Curry range, so he made a lot of shots. Anyway, um, so you've fallen out of love, and you've made some friends, and you've decided this time it's going to be different. This time I commit. And here's the thing. All of the times that you said yes to Jesus at those camps, at those retreats, in those moments... It wasn't an emotional reaction. It was your soul feeling at home. The problem that we run into a lot of times is that it's not the exciting parts of our relationship with God that are challenging. It's the mundane. But the mundane can be so intimate. You can tell that your friendship or relationship with someone is growing closer when you're able to sit in a room together silently and it not feel awkward. And so one of the things that I had to begin to learn is that, God, I need to learn to come to you right here, right now, as I am. And even if it's silent, we're going to learn not to make this awkward. The second thing that we learn from this verse is that we need to give God permission to redirect or encourage. For many of you in this room, there are things that you're doing right now that are exactly what you need to be doing, but you're not seeing the rewards of those things. Um, I've started running. I'm a, I'm a warm weather runner. When it gets cold outside, I stay at home. But when it gets warm outside, I start running again. And um, I'm, I've never been a great long-distance runner. I'm a basketball player. And so for me, like, running is it, up and down the court, that's good. Like, 
but if you want me to run for a long distance, it's taken me a long time to learn how to do that. And one of the things I've noticed is that it takes me weeks to get my mile time down. It just takes so long. And I'm like, bruh, 13 minutes still? This is humiliating, right? But what I've noticed is if I keep showing up over and over and over and over and over again, is eventually it goes from 13 to 12 to 10 to, and then nine is where I cap it off because I'm really not trying to be anything more than that, you know. But it takes a minute to get there. And so there are things that you're doing now that you're not seeing the fruit of, but God wants to encourage you in those things. For others of you in this room, there are things that you're doing now that the end result is going to cost you more than you can imagine. There's a, there's a verse in the Bible that I find very interesting. Um, it says that God shall not be mocked. As a man sows so shall he reap. One of the questions that I've had to ask myself consistently, and I've had to bring it towards God, is like, hey, Dad, what am I sowing that I don't want to reap? I I heard a pastor once say that you can count the seeds in an apple, but you can't count the apples in a seed. Now, that is churchy but I don't want to sow anything which, when it becomes a harvest, is difficult. And a lot of times we don't see what we're doing clearly and that's why we have to bring it towards God. And most of us in this room are doing a little bit of both. We're doing things that we need to keep doing, keep running in that direction, keep working towards those things. And there are other things that we gotta do, that we gotta stop because if we keep going in that direction, it will begin to cost us something later way more than we can imagine. Number three, as you become more open with God, you'll learn to be more open with people. As you grow in your openness with God, you'll learn to be more open with people. And it takes practice, right? It's it's not something that for me that comes naturally, um, but it takes practice for me to be open and honest with people. And the reality of it is, is I love being loved. I love being celebrated. I love being the, the most special person in the room, okay? It's, I think it's a middle child thing. You know, my older brother is the only boy. My little sister is five and a half years younger than me and she looks like a supermodel, right? She wears clothes and I'm like, how did you make that outfit work? Like, how are you wearing an all lime green outfit and it makes sense, right? Um, and so there's, there's all of these insecurities in me that wants everybody just to think I'm awesome. But what I've learned is that if I can be real, at least if people reject me, they're rejecting me and not some version of me. Because I would much rather have people in my corner that want to be around the real me. I'm going to close out with this story. Um, I think um, it's been a challenging year for some of us. For some more than others. For some people this year has been good and it's, it's been uh, a good respite, if you would. But for others of us, it's, it's been really hard. So um, a few weeks ago, I, I was just going through like one of those seasons and one of those phases where I was overwhelmed. 
And uh, one of the things that my little sister pointed out to me is that, Risa, when you get overwhelmed, you hide. I'm a hider, right? So I stopped hanging out with my mentor. I stopped hanging out with my friends. I stopped texting my, my little sister and my brother, and I just kind of self-isolated because I was just overwhelmed by what was happening. And after, like, maybe two or three weeks of this, um, I was talking to my boyfriend. I don't know if it was on the phone or through text message. I'm not really sure. Um, but I was like, hey, like, I think that there's something wrong because I feel like I'm shutting down. And he was like, yeah, you, you haven't hung out with your friends. You haven't hung out with your mentor. I, I think you need to start getting time with them. And so... Uh, I, I DM'd my sister on Instagram, and she makes fun of me. She's like, why are we having this conversation on DM on Instagram? Why don't you just call me? I was like, no, this feels right. <laughs> you know, so. Um, so I'm just telling her everything I'm feeling. I'm telling her how overwhelmed I feel. I'm telling her how, like, disappointed, discouraged, all of this stuff, right? And, and mind you, while I'm feeling all of these things, right, and I think that's why what Danielle said was so important, I had just gotten a promotion. I had just gotten a raise, right? I had just gotten more and more opportunities to speak because I love preaching and I love teaching. And so everything in my life that I want to go in a certain way was going in that way, but I wasn't okay. So when she talks about your resume not being the point and not being the main thing, that is real because I was winning on paper, but dying emotionally, so I'm texting my sister, or DMing my sister, I guess, and explaining to her what's going on. And man, all I received was love and encouragement and a reminder that she has my back. I had dinner with my mentor and I explained to her what was going on. She's like, yeah, I had noticed the pattern. And all I received was love and, expect, and acceptance and a reminder that I was loved for who I am. And every time I repeated this pattern with someone that was close to me, I received the same thing. Living room, the reality of it is, is that there are gonna be people out there that are going to love your caricature. They'll love your gifts, but they won't love your pain. They'll love your beauty, but not your intellect. They'll love your strength, but not your insecurity. They'll love your confidence and your popularity, but not your doubts and your fears. And that is okay. It doesn't make them bad, evil, horrible people, but at least you know who they are. There's some people that are going to love a version of you, who you were when you were in high school or in middle school. And it's okay for them to love you for that reason. It doesn't make them bad or evil, but at least you know who they are. But there are gonna be a group of people the right people are going to love the real you. They're going to want the real you. And those are the people for you to invest in. Show up as you are right here, right now, not only with God, but with people, and eventually you'll find your people. Let's pray together. Dad, I thank you for this incredible group of college students or college age students, because I know not everybody in this room is currently in school. Dad, I pray right now that for every single person that is doubting your reality, that is doubting your goodness, that you would do for them what you did for Peter, for Paul, 
for myself and so many other believers that you would reveal yourself to them in a way that they can receive you. That I pray for any person in this room that is going through a challenge all by themselves, that you would give them the people that they can be honest with. Father, I pray for every single one of us in this room that we continue to create an environment here that is welcoming, that is loving, and that where people can be who they really and truly are, even if that is evolving, even if that is changing, God, let us always be able to enter into this room, into this space, into our small groups as the most real version of ourselves. So God, we love you. We trust you. We thank you for who you are. So Jesus and I pray, everyone said.